one way, I have an easy job, if we'd want to call it that. Because I have to share. See, if I got up here and said, well, you know, today I really don't have anything. Uh, boy, I mean, uh, maybe next Sunday it'll work out a little better, but maybe Don will have something Wednesday. Uh, you know, I just don't feel inspired. I, I can't, I'm not really supposed to do that. So in one sense, I have an easy responsibility, if that's the right word. Now, in, in, in the spirit. Now, naturally, those that you would know me, I have, have nothing, I I actually went for days without talking before I was saved. I just didn't want to talk, uh, didn't have much to say. Nobody wanted to listen to me. <laughs> and uh, just kind of had a funny idea of what being spiritual was. So in another way, it's very difficult for me because it'd be, you know, given to my flesh, and probably for all of us, who would be here this morning? Well, we wouldn't be here. And as we were worshiping, these thoughts began to come to me, singing those songs about the Lord Jesus Christ forgiving us and, you know, uh, there was that one song that uh, said, uh, "They that, you know, His only Son, we crucified." Thank you. Hallelujah. All right. Praise the Lord. And I began to think about that, and hopefully, hopefully, as we worship, we will allow ourselves to have a walk with the Lord. Now, examine every thought. Not every thought that comes into your head is God, even during worship. But there are times that the Holy Spirit would like to take you, like I said, on a magical mystery tour. And He wants to reveal things to our hearts. So they that cruci- those, that for those that He came to, His only Son He sent into the world as the Lamb of God, we crucified. Now that we became me. I crucified the Lord of glory. Now I began to think about that. Who here? Now again... If we understand that the Scripture... See, we like to say, well, we have the Bible. But Jesus warned the Pharisees saying, you know, it's not good enough just to have the Bible. He said, you're studying the Word and you're studying the prophet, but you don't understand what it's saying. See, I mean, you kind of got all these things down, but it's speaking of me. It's speaking of eternal life. It's speaking of forgiveness, but we're not getting it. And unless there's a the Holy Spirit reveals to us. And, and the, the Bible says in a few places, those that have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. Now, many times we have lots of voices in the world. Jesus says the, the sheep will hear His voice. But there's other voices that go on in the world. There's other voices in your head. There's voices of emotion. There's voices of feeling. There's voices of what you've learned. There's voices of other people. There's voices of demons. and There's all kinds of things. But we need to be hearing what the Holy Spirit says. Now, naturally, I do not know the Holy Spirit, nor do I know God's nature. Now, one of the the strange things that I'm coming to realize is that from my perspective, as merely a person, God is strange. He just does, does things that I don't understand. Many times He does things that, man, I don't appreciate. Many times He does things that I, I talk to and say, man, I just don't, you know, do this. And then I began to think about, here Jesus Christ, God, looks at us, knowing that we're, we're destined for hell, we're all running there, not like, man, I made a mistake. No, we gave ourselves to iniquity, and He redeems us. He saves us, 
Not by gold or silver or like sending a nice Hallmark card or something like that. He gave his entire life and existence and he gave up his relationship with God. And we go, man, we would never do that. Well, that's right. We would never do that. Then somewhere along the line, I need to be changed. See, and sometimes we value, many times we value things that God really is saying, that's up to me. Don't you value that? See, well, I don't want anybody to come between my relationship with me, me and Jesus. Well, Jesus thought that was something he would even give up for God's purpose. Now, see, I don't understand that. Now, simply because I don't understand it or it causes me trouble does not mean that it is not God. Like I said, God's ways are not our ways. Well, I didn't say it. I think the Bible says that. But over and over again, I continually go back to my own ways. And so this very God that I crucified, and not only God, I mean, it's not only when you say God, it's kind of like up here, but God became flesh. And He dwelt among us. He had emotions like we did. He had feelings like we did. He was made fun of like we were made fun of. He had good days and bad days. If you'd cut him, he would bleed. If he fasted, he would be hungry. He had all of these things. It's that person that I crucified, killed, mocked, and spit on that died for me while I was yet ignorant, while I was yet an enemy of God. He died for me. And He redeemed me without me even knowing it. And sometime later, at least in this age, that would revelation would come to me. And that is an ongoing revelation that who here would do that? And then not only that, but such a relationship that God has with us through His Son that He maintains and oversees, He loves us. And we go, man, I wouldn't do that. I mean, I might forgive you, but I won't have anything to do with you. And again, the same Jesus that was crucified for me well, I wanted nothing to do with it. Well, I was actually cheering and saying, get rid of him. I can still argue with. See, who, would, who here would put up with that? Well, don't they know what I've done for them? Aren't they thankful? And, well, wait a minute. Now, that's a right thing. We should be thankful. But not only does Jesus forgive us, he puts up with us. And he continues to wash us in his blood. Such is that relationship. And I believe this is the relationship that Jesus prayed for that should be, not, should be in the church and that we should have with one another. And that, this is the great impossibility. And this is why Jesus prayed. He said, I am going to pray for you to have the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to pray that you would be one even as me as the Father are one. Because when you are one, there is going to take place something from the throne of God that this world has never seen before. This world has seen organizations. This world has seen great buildings and cathedrals. This world has seen great movements. This world has seen great outreaches. This world has seen... But what it has not seen is what Jesus prayed for. And this is God's plan. But we want to come up with another plan because that's, that's just too ridiculous. Who would ever be able to do that? Well, someone who does not love his life unto the death. And Jesus prayed and... He said that you would be one even as me and the Father are one. How, what does that mean? Don't think that's meaning sitting around the campfire singing Kumbaya. I think that may be a nice thing to do, especially if you have some schmores and things like that. But it's presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. 
loving him and his church and his purpose above my own life. David said, Oh, if if Jerusalem is not above my chiefest joy. Jerusalem! See, not some spiritual hocus-pocus, well, yeah, I love God, but you stink and I don't want to be here. No. Jesus said, I do the will of the Father. Do you realize what they are going to do to you? As much as I realize, I realize that. But I put you above my own value. Now, when that mindset that we understand that Christ had then works in you, because the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. But most of the time we're not aware of that. It's kind of like, uh, boy, what's for lunch? What's for dinner? I wish I made more money. I can't stand this. There's all these voices. But the Bible says, be still. Know that I am God. Wait a minute. That's not who I am. I have a treasure in earthen vessels. Now, the kingdom of God is going to be worked out through earthen vessels. And most of your problems and most of your situations and most of this battle that goes on is not really by the devil. I've been talking to some people about this. I think we even spoke a little bit about it last week. The devil really doesn't have to bother you. You've got enough problems in your life, emotional problems, uh, feelings, thought processes, that most of our problems is with our flesh. It's with ourself. And once we realize that that self-nature needs to die, we work on that, then pretty much God's able to take control of our life. But this same Jesus that we crucified prayed, said that they would be one even as you and me, Father, are one. For what reason? That the world may know that you have sent me. Well, wait a minute. How many people would rather just send hand out? Now, I am not against any of these things except to the point that many times in doing certain things we stop hearing the voice of God because that's just too expensive. Man, that's just too costly. Uh, who could do that? And the disciples even said that to Jesus. The disciples that were with him, they said, who could hear this? He told the one man something like this and the disciple said, Excuse me. See, now, when, Jesus, when God was in Christ, do you know what the battle they must have had, especially in their culture and in the Jewish religion, religion to say, this man is God? It wasn't like, oh, wow, we can look back and say, they would actually have to see this man who was mocked, who was ridiculed. They knew his brothers and sisters who thought he was crazy. They had Mary who had a bad reputation in the community. They knew this man that probably was a carpenter's son, probably not the, the best educated. He had problems. His disciples were eating with unwashed hands. He was a person. You would see him eat. You would see him sleep. You would see him, in their minds, making mistakes. But something else would rise in them against what they could see, against what they could hear, against what their own minds were saying. And they're saying, you are the Christ. But what does it look like? It doesn't look like that. Because I had some other idea of what Christ would look like. And it's that same project or way that God is working in us that we see God and we don't recognize Him. And so when those disciples would say, you are the Son of God, 
it cost them everything. And many of those disciples and apostles would go on to give their life in the ultimate sense of finally dying for the Lord. But they gave their life. They had their life's vocation was changed. Their life's calling was changed. Their comfort levels was changed from once being a nice little Jewish family and having a good fishing business. They would go into all the world to preach the gospel. For what? And they would actually say to Paul the Apostle, You are mad. You're crazy. It doesn't look like that. Why are you, you've been, your back has been laid open by whips? If God was there, wouldn't He? There has to be something else, someone else that grabs hold of us beyond what I can think, reason. It has to be God's vision that grabs hold of you. And I'm finding out, I was sitting down downtown talking to someone the other day. Subject came up, and we started talking about the Lord and different things like that. And I began to think, wow, that was pretty, pretty easy to do that. Well, you know, it's very easy to witness once you realize it's not up to you. You don't have to convince anybody. It's God who's called them. It's God who's chosen them. If, they, if God has called them, whatever you say, is going, they're going to hear it. But if God hasn't called them, you could, you, you, the Pharisees, he could do miracles, raise the dead, preach wonderful sermons, still would not hear it. But could, if God is there, all we'd have to do is be a witness. Don't have to convince them. Don't have to get mad at them. Don't have to persuade them. Don't have pretty comfortable. Oh, wow. Someone you never think you could preach the gospel to? Got tattoos up and down and smoking and that, like this. And there we are sitting around talking about Jesus. I said, wow. Well, I didn't have to get down on him. Didn't have to confront him. Didn't have to convince him. Tell him who Jesus is. And God's able to speak. And because God's nature and his person and who he is is so foreign to us, I think we miss his ways. And sometimes they are actually offensive to us. Now, this is, again, part of God's nature, which I need to learn to embrace. Or, I can come up with another gospel. It's called the gospel of the modern church. The gospel of, hey, you can be happy too. Hey, God really wants you to be a millionaire. Wouldn't that be nice? You know, I don't know. Wouldn't it be nice if God would just do that? I mean, it's all, everything, now I'm, I'm talking a little facetiously here, but maybe some of your minds have kind of worked in this way. I mean, everything is in place for all of us to be millionaires. Go up to Las Vegas, put a quarter in the machine, and God is well able to make sevens come up. Why doesn't he do that? Wow. Well, because that's not his nature. That's my perverted nature of what I think happiness is. What I think... And it's all self-centered. Oh, yeah. yeah. If I had a million... I think, you know, just recently, Trump... Who was his name? Donald Trump. He was in the news. I mean, I guess he's got a lot of money. And have you ever thought, if you were ever that rich, what you would do with all that money? You'd all do good things with that money. Exactly. What are you doing with the $10 in your pocket? Yeah. That's right. Because it's not the amount even though we all go, yeah, 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 yeah. But we don't really believe the story of the lady who put in the two mites. And Jesus goes, wait a minute. He stops the whole deal. And the disciples go, what are you talking about? This lady put in more than they all. She wasn't Donald Trump. I don't know what her hair looked like. So what are we doing with what God's given us? That's all that he, that's all that he can ask. The, the Elijah, in the days of the famine in Samaria, I believe it was, 
He doesn't go to the king. He doesn't go to the guy who's got thousand shekels. He goes to the poor little widow woman who's only got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil and says, that's what I want. Could have gone to the guy with a thousand shekels. Give me two. Not what God is looking for. And the problem is, God offends your natural man. The flesh, Jesus said, the flesh profits nothing. So when I read the Scripture, unless I give myself to God's purpose and vision and realize that He is right 100%, and what the Bible says, in my flesh dwells no good thing. And with the natural mind, I could never understand God. I will never be changed, and I will actually go about to thwart God's purposes thinking I'm doing good. And of course, none of us would ever do that because we read the Bible. But Paul was a man who knew the Scriptures inside out and backwards, and with his zeal, he persecuted the church. And when Jesus would appear to him on the way, he said, Who are you? I'm Jesus who you persecute. Jesus was so and is so identified. You know that you're so identified with your body, most people wouldn't recognize you if you came without it? Most of us say, oh, that's Victor. I can tell him. Now, if I change my looks, you might think I was somebody else. But we're so identified with our body that... How many people, when you're physically sick, get mentally sick? Or when you're mentally sick, get physically tired? There is such an identification with the body that there is no separation. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When Paul was persecuting the church, Jesus didn't say, don't touch my children. You're You're persecuting me. Do we have that same love, that same vision for His church? You know, it's easy to say back then the church was a lot better. Have you read Corinthians? Have you read some of the stuff that was going on? The flesh doesn't get any better. Jesus is always perfect. And so now, do I then take on that mind of Christ that says, oh, Jesus laid down his life for the sheep. And you know, sheep really probably don't care. And they probably don't know. I've never seen a sheep come up to the shepherd and go, thanks. Wow, I'm glad you got me out of that thicket. Two minutes later, they're back in the thicket again. And we as natural people would say, he's ending up in lamb chops. Or at least get rid of them. I don't have the time. But Jesus wouldn't do that. And that same heart, that same spirit now lives in you. And he's desiring to conform you to people that in this life and in this body will show forth that same nature when you will seem to be getting nothing out of it and your mind is screaming, it's not fair, I don't understand, I don't see, why, why is this happening? I just... And that's why the Bible talks about, this is what I'm saying, when, when, you, when you're in worship, it'd be good to let the Lord speak to you. That God is to our flesh and to your natural mind, unless you wrap your mind around it. Now, it doesn't make it any easier. I've been saved, or God saved me now, for 38 years. I feel that I am worse now in the flesh 
than I was when I got saved. I don't think I am. It's just a greater revelation of how depraved and how far away I am from God. It'd be like a child. When a, you know, when a child is, is there, everything is neat. But pretty soon he starts learning. She starts learning that everything that she's been doing, he's been doing, really wasn't that good. There was just grace to cover it. You know, nobody comes up to you anymore when you go potty. Had a girl. You'd go, man, that guy's a little weird. But sometimes we expect God to do that. We expect the church to do that. Oh, look at that. You didn't go in your diaper today. It's time to grow up into Christ. They thought Jesus was cute teaching in the temple. They thought he was neat in the manger. But when he got up to be the fullness and the stature of God and preaching, wasn't so neat. It's time to grow up into him. And the way we're going to have to grow up is grab hold of the hands of sorrow and suffering that lays out here. And again, this is a part of God's nature that really... It, I'm troubled. My, my heart... My, not my heart. My flesh and my soul and my mind just can't ever really come to a place of saying, walking in total victory of going, wow, I don't ever have any problems anymore. I don't, I'm never tried anymore. How many people thought at some point in your Christian walk you were stopped going to be tried so much? No. I don't know where we get that idea. Jesus was tried, but His greatest trial was at the end of His life, all through His life. And Jesus even says, in this world you will have trials and tribulations. I don't like that. See, I don't like trials and tribulations. But the Bible says that the cross, the preaching of Jesus Christ, is what? It's a stumbling block. It's offensive. Now we as good people, people that now we know that offending people is bad, right? We all know that, right? Except God doesn't seem to know that. So I would be careful of what we buy into. See, the gospel is actually meant to offend. It has to offend. I have to stumble at it. Peter talks about that. It's a stumbling block and a rock of offense. Unless I will come to terms with who I am and my flesh and my sin, I can't repent. I would have to be offended. And here comes the gospel. The Son of God comes and He begins immediately to preach the gospel. What was it? You're all really nice people. You just need a little brushing up. I want to tell you it's okay. You know, I know it's a mistake. It's not really sin. I don't want to offend you by saying, Repent! For the kingdom of God is at hand. This cost Him. See, some people think people that do that are just naturally desensitized. I think Jesus was... It was, it was hard for Him to do that. It was embarrassing for Him to do that. He had all the same feelings. But again, we live in a world that the pressure of this world, we're not to be conformed to the image of this world, but we're to be transformed into the image of Christ by the renewing of my mind. And so, well, we don't want to offend. We don't want to say anything bad. We don't want to... Well, that is what's rising up in this world today where peace and safety, the Bible talks about that, in the end times, peace and safety, they're going to be saying that's their mantra. And at that time, sudden destruction will come. We need to be people that live in this world, walk uprightly, but we also need to be people that are preaching this gospel, mostly to ourselves. 
and then let that go out into all the world. See, be aware of what things are coming upon you. They're going to fit you very nicely. Jesus, turn these stones into bread. See, I'm really on your side. See, Eve, this is really a good tree. See, and again, God's nature. There has to be this trying in this world. There has to be this offensive stumbling block. And right in the beginning, if you don't get offended, you probably haven't read it. See, most of the time I read the book, and I used to do it like this, but not, not consciously. I wasn't conscious of it. See, if you're conscious of it, then God is work, beginning to work in your life. Most of the time I would read the book or the Bible and think it was talking about somebody else. Or, yeah, boy, give it to them. Oh, boy, she was really dumb. Or, man, the children of Israel, what is wrong with those people? And, man, I would never... Until, like I said, you go through some things. Oh, that was me. In the book of Genesis, God does what? He makes a beautiful garden. And right in the where? Right in the midst of the garden. Probably something they would have to pass by every day is the knowledge of the tree of good and evil which you should not eat of it. Now, how many people here, and we raise our children like this too, don't we? We, we, just, we, we can't help it, we're sinners. If, we, if there's something bad, we kind of like hide it from our children and put it in a thing and ban you, threaten them, and don't you dare touch it, and if you do, you know. But God puts it right out there and says, don't eat of that. Well, right there it is. There's a stumbling block in the gospel. We are meant to stumble over it. Because if we st- can't stumble, we never be able to get up and never come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the great battle that goes on within our flesh, is our nature is not like God's. And that's what God is working. So that that nature could actually, people would look at us and say, man, I know that guy, he's a carpenter's son. I bet you he's cut his hand, and I bet you his mom's a little overbearing, and his brothers are kind of weird, and he's got some strange friends, and you hear what they're saying about his family, and this, that, and the other thing. But man, I look at what he does. Now, no matter even what you do, all people will not come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even in God came in flesh and lived perfectly and without sin and gave His life upon the cross, fulfilling God's will perfectly, not all came to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has a purpose that we know very little about except by glimpses of revelation here in this earth. But what we are called to do is to love Him and obey Him. And how do we do that? By giving up our life. Now, Turn our Bibles to Proverbs, chapter 7. We've been talking about wisdom, and we've been talking about the voice of the unchaste woman, or the woman that is not wise, but there's two different women in the book of Proverbs. Now, when I'm talking women here, I'm only, it's only personified as that. Now, I think there are some practical lessons there, but it's really talking about walking in wisdom and in love or walking in simplicity, foolishness, and rebellion. Now, I want to see if you're following what the Bible is saying. How many people here, if you are walking naturally, will not walk, think you will not walk in wisdom? Is anybody here? If you're just walking naturally, how many people did not understand the question? Okay, how many people are sleeping? Okay, how many, watch this. Now, given your natural self, do you think you are 
wise and follow God's plans or not? No. So basically, we're all saying we don't know too much. When it comes to the things of God, we'd be like David. David said, when it comes to the knowledge of the holy. This is David who wrote the Psalms. Okay? He said, when it comes to the knowledge of the holy, I'm like a brute beast. I, I, don't, I don't know anything. Now, that's a good thing to do. Now, see, again, we're very good at making general analogies. See, we just admitted we're pretty stupid when it comes to the knowledge of God. But now, when something comes up, God told me, I know. Well, wait a minute. Just like I was saying with one of the children here in chapel. It's like I told him something. I forget exactly what it was. This is what's happening. And he said, no, it's not. And we had to go through this long ordeal of saying, now, what did you say to me? Basically, he was saying, he's smarter than me. Now, he may be, but he wasn't. I'm 57 years old. I think he's 10. And, and given certain things, that would be... But no, no, say, I didn't say I'm smarter than you. You just told me I was wrong and you were right. Now, what is that? You think I'm dumber than you. Now, that is wrong. See, again, so we have like, oh, yes... We, would, we, we know that we, do, we, we don't serve God, but then when it comes, we say, no, I, I don't. Now, those two things do not go together. Now, that's where we need to take up the cross and start practicing the Word of God, even though my mind may be screaming, I don't see this, I don't understand this, why is this happening, isn't there a better way? We see that the Bible talks about a sacrifice that says, though he slay me. See, Job, in tremendous pain, breaking open his sore boils with broken pieces of pottery, so much as the, the agony in his life. His whole family has been taken. His own wife says, why don't you curse God and die? He's got friends telling him, man, this, you're just living in sin. What is wrong with you? And everything that he sees, everything that he feels, everything that actually he worked for, it says Job was a righteous man. This was not some setup in the sense that he wasn't a righteous man. He was a righteous man. It goes through the acts that what he was doing. And it could be, man, I've tried to serve God and it didn't work. I think those thoughts were there. But what he came out of his mouth was something contrary to what his brain, his body, his feelings were saying and said, though he slay me. God can well able to kill me, and if He wants to, let Him kill me. I don't understand why He's taking my family. I don't understand why all these things are coming upon me. But I will trust that He is good, and with these eyes, I will see my Redeemer. His actions were motivated contrary to His feelings. Jesus prayed that great prayer that we would be one so that the world might see. Well, do you know that's not going to be very easy? Because you're going to have some ideas, aren't you? Does anybody here have any ideas? Now, most of your ideas, most of your moodiness... I read this the other day in, a, in, in a, um, Oswald Chambers, and it kind of stood up to me. Most of our offenses, most of our moodiness, most of our anger at people, most of our disappointments, but moodiness are not about moral issues in the Scripture. They're more about physical things that have happened or didn't happen. I saw the way he looked at me. I know what he meant when he smiled at me. Well, I don't know why we have to have red chairs. I wanted blue. Is that mostly what... 
my husband did this, my wife did all physical things that we know as Christians are passing away or unimportant, right? But we that just admitted that we don't, we don't if we naturally we walk in our own understanding, fall back and walk in our own understanding because the church has not become the valuable as it is to Jesus. God's purpose is so valuable to Jesus Christ and to Job and to those that have been infused with God's purpose that their life means nothing compared to the value of fulfilling God's will. And this is what Paul said. He said, I count all things but loss for the excellency and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He said, I could have avoided persecution if I only did this. Do you not know what's happened to me because of that's what they said to Paul. Paul, you're mad. You could have, you had a wonderful life. You could have. That is not what I am shooting for. What we are shooting for is to have God's will fulfilled in your life. And if that means taking this piece of steel and hammering it into a horseshoe or hammering it into an I-beam or hammering it into some other form, then let God have His way and stop rising up and saying, I don't see that. That's exactly why Jesus had to die for us. We didn't see it, and I still don't see it. And this same Jesus who gave his life for me, I can sit and talk to him, just like Peter would talk to him and say, man, I don't, let me, I don't understand what you're doing. Let me, don't go to the cross. Here, let's go fishing. And he would still continue to not be moved from his everlasting purpose. But his purpose is to be fulfilled in your life. Now, then I need to take this word and say, Lord, this is your truth. You are working in my life. Above everything else that happens, I put your purpose first. Now, we say amen to that, right? But it has to come to a physical issue every time. Because the Bible doesn't say present your spirits. It says present your bodies. Jesus was created a body. What did he sacrifice? He sacrificed his body. And like I said, we're so identified with our body. Where my body goes, my emotions go. Where my body goes, my feelings go. Where my body goes, my spirit goes. And so what my body does, I did. And there are certain things that I need to present my body a living sacrifice. We could be like a lot. We could be PC. I think that's politically correct. Or it's personal computer. Most of us are personal computers. It's very easy to love in a sense, but retain your own life. Isaac could have loved his father, which was Abraham. And Abraham seemed to make some really, really strange requests of his son. We're going to sacrifice... Now, he's very accustomed to sacrifice. They did it quite often because he knew when he was told to sacrifice, he asked his father, it seems a little bit different, Dad. We have the wood and we have the fire, but where's the sacrifice? How many people, sometimes you don't get the answer you wanted? Don't worry about it. God will provide. Now, he's a 13-year-old boy somewhere around then. Most 13-year-old boys know everything and then some and have the emotions to do that out. 
Isaac submits to that. I'm thinking, I mean, God will provide, never provide a sacrifice before. We always brought that sacrifice. I don't know what's going on here, but okay, Dad, I love you. But many of us love Dad until he gives us a saying that we don't like to hear. Man, I love you, Dad, but I ain't going. You go get your own stupid sacrifice. Now, we wouldn't say it like that. I just feel led to go to another church. I, don't, I feel led not to be changed. I feel led not to be challenged. I feel led not to be offended. I'm tar- you know, I've been a good boy for 13 years, and Ishmael, you know, he gets to go off and marry some other lady. How come we, you know, I have to stay here and do this? That's not the love of God. That's human reasoning. That is not. That's the strange woman that Proverbs 7 talked about. And then Ishmael. No, Isaac. Now, he didn't. There's some stranger thing that's going to happen. Abraham binds him up. Dad, we never did this before. Now, a 13 year old boy, Abraham was over 100 years old at that time. Uh, I know he could outrun him, push him down, just like we could. We could outrun God. Jonah tried. But there's people that say, I don't want to do it. God will not make you do it. Just don't feel to do that. I don't have to put up with that kind of stuff. Is there things in your life that you feel you don't have to put up with? That may be God knocking at your door, Job, Jesus, Paul. Well, wait a minute. I don't know about you, but that gets me really mad. Because we have been raised to be independent. We're raised that nobody pushes us around. We're raised to be bratty with our mouth. We're raised to tell people what we think. And yet that's not what God is, that's not what Jesus has instructed us. Wow, there's a battle going on there. And this is where God says, will you be one with me? Do you love me more than these, Peter? Do you love me more than what you're thinking about? Do you really think that I'm able to keep you from all the wicked things that you're thinking about me in your mind? That's what Abraham had to go through. He thought, God, after all these years, you promised me a son, and now you want me to kill him? Who do you think you are? Why do you put me through this? He had to wrestle with that. Now, God never told him to kill his son. He said, offer him. But in Abraham's mind, he's like wrestling. He had to wrestle his God's character with his sinful character and feel that God is always good no matter what it looks like. why the church has not that's why Jesus hasn't come back on May what was it 27th or something now I'm not making fun of those people like I said I understand I was a little disappointed woke up I think I told my wife man there's no earthquakes really I mean there's sometimes we just hope things so much that we deceive ourselves I mean the world is so bad I just don't know how it can survive I don't I don't want to be here I don't like as I see I see Christians being deceived I see the world getting in a more and more wicked place wouldn't it be nice to say yes I, I want to see him come back I gotta say, you know, I, I, I mean, I hope he does on that day, but can't say that he will, because the Bible says don't say that. <laughs> and this is what the Book of Proverbs, really the entire Bible, is is trying to get through into our soul. See, we have a soul, we have a mind, we have emotions, and most of the work that is going on, like I said, it's not really the devil that you're battling; it's your own soul. Most of this book is an instruction book to you on how to train your soul. 
See, it says this is the way you should be. And here my soul is like wanting to run over here and do this and do that, and I don't feel like praising God. Has anybody ever not felt like praising God? How many people here, even though the Bible says, and I'm just bringing out my weakness because I have a terrible time with this, the Bible says, in everything give thanks. How many people should be going to hell right now? I mean, just yesterday. In everything give thanks. I don't, I don't get that. Why don't God just... And the disciples didn't get it either. They saw one person doing something, and, and you know what, John? This is John. I don't know how John gets away with this. He's, everybody thinks John's a nice guy in the Bible because he wrote the book of John, so he could say anything he wanted. You know, it's... Jimmy, oh, John just is so loving. I don't know where we get... Have you ever read the, thir- the books of John? They are really intense. But because he doesn't yell like Peter, I guess, we think he's nice. But John, the love disciple says, Jesus, can we call down fire from heaven on these guys now? Didn't get it. See, has anybody here, we wonder why we don't have any more power? The whole world would be smoldering. I mean, we wouldn't, none of us, that would be it. Just boom. Now sometimes, you know, there's a, but vengeance, vengeance. You know who that belongs to? It belongs to God. Anybody here been trespassing? Stealing. It says, don't touch that. Vengeance belongs to the Lord, and he will repay. Okay, God is the God of just, justice and mercy and uh, truth, but he's also the God of justice uh, uh, and revenge. Vengeance, that's the word. So let that be. See, that's not for me to touch. That's a tough one. Especially, and there's, there's some scriptures in the Bible that says, don't rejoice over bad things. If your enemy is having a hard time, you know what the Bible tells me not to do? It tells me not to go, praise God, you God of hallelujah, it's about time, that dumb guy. It says, don't do that. Help him. But you're, He's not dealing with him. You know who he's dealing with? He's deal, God is interested in the biggest sinner in the entire universe and could care nothing else about how much injustice has been done to you when it comes to dealing with you. He's interested in having a relationship based on the kingdom of God with you and only you. How many people don't like that personal God? We always like the personal God that, you know, saves me money or the personal God that made me happy. There's something greater. See, there's got to be something greater than my own mental stability. There's got to be something greater than my own peace. Jesus gave it all up. We can have peace and we can have joy, but the kicker was what? Jesus said, not like the world gives it. There's going to be a struggle in this world that's going to glorify God. And that struggle is in us. And most of the time, it's really not against the devil. It's really against God. Saying, man, oh, but now, if we look at this book and actually take it as a practical book and say, oh, this is instruction to my soul. This is what I must practice. Even though I may not understand it, I may not see it, but God now is giving me instruction to my soul.
okay? But without the practice, the Word of God becomes of none effect in your life, and as a matter of fact, will become a greater stumbling block. Because you see, man, I don't see why... Now, if we read this and say, Lord, wow, you saved me. I knew nothing about you. Now you're telling me this. Well, I never... Oh, I never did. I don't like that. But I'm going to now walk in that. Now, book of Proverbs. I want to talk about the other woman, the woman that is personified as a woman called wisdom. Now, there's two voices according to the book of Proverbs. One is the, wom- the strange woman, the one that's brash, the one that's calling out to you, the one that's getting you to be self-motivated getting you to be leaving your father's instruction, leaving right instruction, leaving the traditions that God has called you to, to follow just simply what you feel led to do. Most of the time in your life, that I, I'm, I'm speaking here personally, I don't, know many, I, I, think that the, I don't know how many times that is used in the Scripture being led. I think being, those who are led of the Spirit. I think that's the only place that I can call to mind. But a lot of times we're being led. Most of the time I am not led. I'm obedient. I mean, I wish I was. I mean, that's, see, sometimes I feel, most of the time, you know, America has a great problem with being overweight. Do you know why? I feel led to eat donuts. I feel led to eat this. I feel led to eat that. Well, no, that's not being led. That's being, you have an appetite that you want to fulfill. Oh, this is what it means to be led. Okay. That means to be led to obey. I'm never led to obey. Is anybody ever led to obey? Boy, you know what? I just like to be told what to do. And even if I don't like it, it's, you know, I'm just, be like, you know, you know, just trying to, you know, eat donuts because you don't like them. I hate these things. No, you, you, you don't eat them. And we need to give ourselves to letting God, working with God to train my soul. So our thoughts would be different. My objection, my, uh, my targets would be different. My goals would be different. The way I think would be different. My political views would be different. The way I view people would be different. These things must motivate my life. Not that we would be perfect. See, oh, who do you think you are? Well, I think I'm a pretty bad sinner that has no idea about God. But yet, I would. I think. I think they said it in the Constitution or the uh, Declaration of Independence. These truths are self-evident. Now, they didn't always walk in them. These truths are self-evident that I have to say these things are right. Now, whether I fall seven times, God's saying this is the right way to go. I've got to say that's the right thing to do. Or we'd say, you know, no, I just, don't, I just don't see that to be true. So we have these two voices now, and let's start in chapter 7. Our, is our machine working now? We're going to be able to put scriptures up? Oh, good, I got used to that. It's kind of cute. Okay. Chapter, let's start in verse 7. We're going to finish, the, 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 we finished this, but I want to take a, uh, we'll get a running start. Chapter 7, verse 22. He that goes after her goes after the, the, the voice of the strange woman. Now, what is, what I'm trying, what I think the Bible here is saying, the voice of the strange woman is not God speaking to you. It is not the instruction that you've heard. It's just simply giving place to appetite in your own self. It could even be a good thing. 
These things must be avoided. They must be, you know what? Man, boy, her, her bed sure smells like perfume. Boy, I like that wood carving set. Boy, wouldn't it be better, Victor, if you just left and just... How many people have ever got the, 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 the real self-righteous self-pity? People would be better off without me. I always tell my wife, why don't I just leave you everything and just leave? She says, I already have it. I said, well, then I'll just leave. <laughs> See, I'm doing it for a noble cause. Like Jesus is going to try to protect Jesus for a noble cause. Remember, conscience is not God. Conscience only, I'm going to read this, conscience is that faculty in, in which we attach, it attaches itself to us, to, to the highest thing that we know. I didn't read that right. Conscience is that faculty in me which attaches itself to the highest that I know and tells me what the highest I know demands of me. Conscience is not always a bad thing, but it's not God. See, there's many people who in good conscience will kill people thinking they're doing God a service. That's what they have been taught. Their conscience then excusing them. There's people who think stealing is a good thing. There's people, they have seared, either seared their conscience or their conscience has been taught something not correct. Peter had that problem. His conscience was taught what he thought was a God thing, don't eat anything unclean. And God would come to him and say, rise, slay, and eat. You know what Peter, as an apostle of God who saw the Jesus, you know what his reaction was? Not going to do that. It doesn't change easy. So conscience is an okay thing, but there's someone who must be higher than my conscience. And it must be God. And there's going to come times that God may morally offend my conscience. Am I willing to trust Him? Though He slay me, I will trust Him. I will be willing to change my core beliefs on how I walk in this life even though I've been raised contrary to that. Are you following that? Okay. Verse 22. And he goes after her straightway as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction stocks. Now again, going to the New Testament, Jesus would speak the same thing. Broad is the gate that leads to destruction and many mooing on the road thereof. Man, this is great. All party time. Yeah, even, hey, you know, we love Jesus too. I, I, I remember to this day, and, and please forgive me if I'm just going on here, but I remember when I first got saved, it just, it just really bothered me because I just was not a Christian. I didn't want to be a Christian. I thought the whole story was ridiculous. I think I told you I used to throw cars, when I, uh, rocks at cars, hitchhiking on Sunday. I had nothing. I, I, just was, I just was a bad person. I thought I was a good person at that time. And I got saved, and these people were preaching Jesus Christ to me, and they were committed, and they wanted to go into all the world to preach the gospel. But yet, there were some things in my conscience that I saw them doing that greatly offended me. They would, they would I mean, they'd work. I mean, imagine that. People, I, how could a person work and serve God? Right? You should be in a monastery or, you know, doing something like that. They ate meat. And these things were tremendously troubling to me. They had, you know, they lived in a barn. But I thought they had nice things. I mean, I was a little bit out of that. And I remember as I left these people, because I, I, my conscience and my mind said, I just, I don't understand this. I can't, I was stumbling at what God was presenting to me. And these people picked me up hitchhiking in Alaska, and they were, they were smoking dope. And they ended up, somehow I talked, the, the Lord, it was called the Lord's Land where I got saved. And this was a very, it was smaller than Wickenburg. So, I mean, if you had the Lord Land, 
everybody knew about it. And they were the weird people that were, you know, Christian people and hallelujah people. And they, so I said, yeah, I, got, I spent the night there or something. And, oh, yeah, they're, they're Christian people. But they're, they're sure weird. These guys are smoking dope. And he said, we're Christians too, but we, we, we kind of don't go in for all that other stuff. And so, I mean, I thought, wow, that's the kind of Christians I want to be. <laughs> the really the non-Christian Christians. See, many times, I'm not condemning them. But many times we, we do that. Well, they're Christians too. I don't care what they are. Are they doing what that says? Are, they, are you doing what God has called you to do? I don't care if there's 100 people doing that. And they might even be doing the right thing. God has called you to that. I will give myself to that. See, again, it's very easy. Broad, oh, well, praise God we're doing this. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. But narrow. What's the word? How many of you have ever heard this in your mind? I, th- I think we're a little too strict. I, I think we need to be a little bit broad-minded. I don't, I, I'd say, you know, that appeals to me. I like being those kind of Christians that are getting stoned. I like being those kind of Christians that can do their own thing. I really like what the devil likes in my flesh. But what God has called us to is a higher purpose that his will would be done in our life. So, God is not very broad-minded. He said, you either come to me through my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, or you don't come to me at all. I think that's pretty narrow-minded. That's what kept me away. I mean, I think, how can you say? That's what he says. All the things he said is, well, here's what I think. uh, What do you think? Oh, that's good. Very narrow-minded. Because sin is so deadly. It'd be like going through a minefield. And you have a guide that goes through. And, you know... He says, walk in my feet or follow the red line. You wouldn't be just, oh, well, I'll get, you know. You'd be right on that line, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, but many times, see, we really, because we are filled with unbelief, we kind of, oh, there's the line, but, you know, I think it's, I mean, I still can see the line. I don't see anything wrong with it. I don't see the mine. When was the last time you saw anybody blown up by a mine? Come on, is there really mines here anyway? And, you know, once you get blown up with a mine, you're not going to know it anyway. So you're not going to be around to tell people. We stay right on there because there's a belief that this is true. But deep within us, there's a sin nature that says, I don't believe this. I want to do what I want to do. Now that woman's voice, the strange woman, we need to ignore. But she sounds, she sounds really good. Okay. Now verse 23. Till a dart strike you through his liver as a bird hastens to the snare and knows not that... It is for his life. Now, as I was reading that, you know, in, in the Middle East, the word liver is many times used like we would use guts. You know, get some guts. Be a man. You know, just um, be courageous. You know, brave. Going like that. You know, there's a lot of words that we don't understand. How many people have ever... This is just, this is just extra stuff. Do you like the extra stuff? No, it's okay. But see, in, in the Bible, when the, when the children of Israel... Remember when they got up and they, they, they worshipped the calf... How many people remember that? How many people are just going to look at me until I'm done here? Come on, how many people remember that? Thank you. Um, it says they got up to play. And I always thought that was what they played, Lincoln Log? Or what they did. But see, in the Middle East, they don't have a word for dance like we do because that wasn't in their culture. Actually, if a man and a woman are going to dance... They're living in sin then. But no, if a man and a woman want to get up to dance, you know what they call it, at least in Turkey? 
They call it dance. Because there's nothing that relates to it in their culture. To, to, to dance is to play. When they, when they dance, they call it they were playing. And so a lot of times we miss some of the, the great significance because we don't... Our mindsets are different. So there you go. You can show off now if you know anything. But it, a, a dart will pass through his liver. His center being. The part that gives him life. The thing that gives you courage. And pretty soon you get worn down and you're not moving in boldness and in strength. Kind of a little wussy. And you know where wussy comes from? From New York. Okay. <coughs> so we want to be people that are courageous. It, t- it takes being courageous sometimes. And that's not always fun. Hearken unto me now. Now, that now you're going to see a voice change. We've been listening if you were, for the last couple of weeks. The, the voice of this other woman. The, the other woman. The one that always comes to you and says, you know, they just don't know what they're preaching. Oh, they, ju- they just don't understand. Well, you know God too. And, you know, you hear the voice of God too. How many people, is that, does, that, does, that, does that make you feel... Somehow, what we think because God can speak to us, we feel we're right. Does anybody want to admit to that? Do you know that's the same excuse that the children of Israel used against Moses and God swallowed up 20,000 of them? So we're children of Israel. We're saved too. We, have the, uh, we know about this. And God speaks. And God said, oh my goodness. Well, I don't know if God said, oh my goodness. But had to take care of that. See, but it's the same thing. But when it happens to you, you never see it for what it is. Oh, those children of Israel, how, how could they say that? And again, they had the same problem. Moses had some problems. They were going to make some, you know, Moses had this problem, Moses had that. It was an interracial marriage. There was all this kind of stuff going on. I don't know what they had that problem. They thought Moses was a big shot. They thought this. God doesn't care about that. He's working, all right? Just because God can speak to you, and maybe he does, he doesn't tell you everything, and means that he doesn't break his word. Sometimes he actually will tell someone like an apostle what's going on up in heaven, and he says, don't you tell anybody. How many of you would like to show off with what you know? Especially if it's a... How many of you have ever heard, I got a revelation from the Lord. I hope it was shut up. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm not really, you know... We just love to show off, don't you? But we want to do it in such a humble way. Yeah. So we invoke the name of God. That's not really that humble. <laughs> okay, we'll be right along. We're going to get to the... Hark, now, the voice changes. Instead of seducing you, we don't have to seduce people into the gospel. We don't want to seduce people into obeying. Either people will hear and obey if they've got the ears that God has given to them, or they won't. And no matter who you are, Jesus couldn't force people to do it. Judas was with them for three years. The, the Pharisees saw him. Pilate understood what was going on. There's, you ha- sometimes have walked away from God, but he still loves us and forgives us. But the voice needs to change. I need to make sure that I'm not being pierced through my liver and the, 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 my courage and my boldness isn't being compromised. Hearken unto me now. Basically, pay attention. Listen to me, you children, and attend unto the words of my mouth. Now, King James is a very flowery language, but say, children, listen to what I'm saying and pay attention. How many people love to be talked to like that? 
I want you to pay attention to what I'm saying. Remember the chicken? Who was that? The, the big rooster? You, you say that again? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm saying, I said, now, uh, son, <laughs> pay attention to me. I want to talk to you, boy. I don't listen to me, boy. I got something to say. Is anybody looking at me like, how many people have never seen that cartoon? How many people have seen that cartoon? Okay. It's one of the, I am not a cartoon per- person, but man, I think I want to get the DVDs on that. Because <laughs> there's, there's an offensive person. Anyway, yeah, it could be worse. You could have Leghorn up here. Okay, hearken unto me. I said, <laughs> okay, we're almost done because it's gone. Let not your heart decline to her ways. Listen to me when I'm going to tell you. Don't go after what she's tempting you with. Yeah, but, yeah, but. I know. She's, she's made a study of you. She knows your weaknesses. You know, rarely does the devil come and tempt me in something that I'm not tempted in. My own feelings don't get tempted. It's always, I get tempted by the stuff that tempts me. It may not tempt you. You might, it might be independence. It might be this, or run away and leave, or I just don't want to be a part, or oh, I can't do it anymore. Who's making me do this? I don't want to clean up my room anymore. I'm a man too. I'm a woman too. Don't, here, 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 here's what, here's what, here's what dad's going to say. Don't give in to that. I know it sounds good. And we, we see the things, you know, we, we, you know, I mean, back when I was a kid, too, there was like, if anybody, if a stranger ever comes up to you, they would tell me, because my parents would tell me this, and they offer you candy, you don't go with them. It was pretty straightforward. So if anybody offered you candy, you, you run away from that. You don't, you don't go with that. But how many people like candy? They don't come and say, hey, I'm going to cut your throat. Can you come with me? Oh, sure. See, sometimes we think the devil's going to come to that, and we, we would see him clearly. Here, Johnny, you want some candy? We think, well, nothing's going to happen. But wait a minute. In the back of my voice is dad's talking. How many, people, how many people's dad's voices, you really aren't that sensitive? Dad's voice isn't the one that you want to snuggle up at night with. It's, don't do that, Victor. What's the matter with you? God damn Okay. Here, Johnny. Now, Johnny's the little, you know, the pervert guy. I don't know how else to say it. He's going to say, he's going to say, he's going to come off really nice. Be aware of those that are too nice. Yeah. Be aware of those who agree with you. Jesus said, be aware when everybody's, oh, yes. And you go to somebody and they say, oh, yes, you know, I used to go to that church too. They treated me the same way. I understand. Oh, be careful. Here, Johnny. Oh, you want some more for your trick-or-treat bag? Oh, great. But Dad doesn't talk like that. Oh, how come Dad doesn't talk to me? Because he loves you. He's not trying to trick you. He's looking out for your good. He's trying to put some liver into you. Okay? I know it doesn't sound great, but (laughs) some things just don't translate. (laughs) Now, if I said it over there, it'd be different. (laughs) We're kind of livery people. (laughs) He's putting something into you. The candy man ain't going to do. Yeah. But we need to learn to hear that. That's my dad's voice. I hear that. Even though that candy looks good, even though I don't see any harm in it, I obey my dad. I hear that voice. Let not your heart decline under ways. Don't go her way. Don't go to her path. That's not what I taught you to do. 
For she has cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. I've seen people that have walked with the Lord for years, good, solid people, and not cut that voice out. Now, I'm not talking they just went and started living in fornication. They started to give place to those appetites in them. They just got tired. And I understand, wouldn't it be nice just to, oh, how many people would just like to live a normal life? How many people would just like to not put up with the problems in the church? Well, that's not what Jesus does. And it's not what you're supposed to do. And, oh, man, you know, now I'm, man, I'm 57. I'm almost going to be 60 years old. Then I'm going to be dead. <laughs> you know, I deserve something. I, you know, I deserve to take it easy. I don't need to be putting, you fool, the Bible says. I know what I'll do. I'll tear down these barns. I want to just have my ease. We are not called to that. We are called to press into the kingdom and deny ourselves every day that we are here to the glory of God. And that's something that we need to apprehend and start loving by faith. You're not going to do it naturally, but it's going to be by faith and saying, man, that's the right thing to do. You know, wouldn't it be easy? I would love to get along. With, I mean, just, I, I, I said, I just, just all these crazy things that, that now to only, only to those that are, their eyes are open, the things going on in the world seem crazy. But people say, oh man, you know, it's just a new lifestyle. And I think we should all be free. And I don't know what the difference is living together. We shouldn't be married. And I don't know about this. And you know this and I need this. Man, I go, I, I, I lived for handouts. That's what I subsided. I went here and I did this and whatever was free, I took it. And if it felt good, you did it. And it was like, wait a minute. The devil comes and says, come on, don't you want, how many people would you, would you just like, how many people would just like some peace? I just would like some peace, a little sleep a little slumber, just a little bit. I'm only going to hop freight trains for 10 miles. I'm on that freight train. I ain't coming back. And my wife ain't going with me. You know what? <laughs> now, I know I'm making this funny, but I hope you can hear it because the depth of the seriousness, we couldn't really preach it any other way. Because you cast down many people that just have never said, you know what? And I, like I said, I preach this because I have a tremendously hard time with this. My entire life, I just, man, I don't like the struggle. I don't like confrontation. I don't like, I don't like living with myself. It says, okay, many men have been struck down by her because they never took care of listening to their father's instruction. Their appetite was never seen. That's just not a right thing. I know I, just, I crave after that. But that's not what God has. I put his Jerusalem, I put his church, I put his purpose above everything else in my life. Even if he slay me, even if it would cost me my job, my future, whatever, this is what is important. The things that are not, the things that are seen are made up of things that don't appear. We're not living for these things. What if a man gains his whole world? What if you're happy here and you're doing a wonderful thing and everything's great, but then he's gonna, Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Eternity is going to be a lot longer than 80 years here. And though weeping may endure for a night, but we bear this cross now, the hope that we live for is going to be a whole lot better. Like I said, I don't think Noah's up there crying, man, 120 years of my life wasted. Do you know what I could have done? I mean, why couldn't he discover America? Had a great boat, nice family, could have, you know, what? Not God's purpose. Now, I think that 120 years is a long time. Could you imagine having to work with your kids for 120 years? And they're going, Dad, there's no clouds. Are you sure you heard God? And then in the great words of Bill Cosby, 
How long can you tread water? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. It's going to seem like the right thing, but it is not. We need to be people that hear God's word and practice it. And next week, God willing, we're going to start on the other woman, the woman of wisdom. Now, her voice and her actions are going to be different, and we need to discern between the two. And, and if we don't ever make that commitment, that covenant, or that agreement with God, like Peter did, yes, I love you, do what you want, then there's always going to be a back door. See? Well, my wife is telling me, well, your pants are dirty today. What did you do? I mean, she's out there and she's wiping my pants off and everything. And I'm going, you know, she doesn't look near as appealing as that other woman who's, oh, Victor, you're a dirty mess. It doesn't matter. I accept you for just the way you are. Why don't you come to my house and I'll give you candy? No. No! Take care of me. Do what you need to do. Good, a good rule of thumb for yourself, this is just going to be extra, is find somebody else to take care of you. They will do a much better job and they'll be much more and give them the right to do that. You know, when I want to take care of myself, I'll do what I want. God has put us in family and in church with gifts that say, let me take care of you. Now, that's the way that needs to be done. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. We have snacks and time of visiting and fellowship downstairs, so I'd encourage everyone to be there. Lord Jesus, I just pray that your word has come forth and you would speak to our hearts. Fulfill your purpose in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.